0: To each of you here and uh, trust that uh, that as we gather together on a Sunday morning that uh, you have been uh, praying for the services and praying for one another. Uh, as we've mentioned here, we have uh, a few folks that are very close to to our congregation that have uh, gotten the COVID virus and so ask that your prayer uh, would be in prayer for uh, for Brother Tony Price and uh, Sister Loretta Price as well as uh, Brother Todd's mom and dad. So just pray that you would... Uh, Remember these folks and uh, lift them up to the Lord in prayer. Uh, one thing we know, the Lord is able. And uh, as we uh, as we seek a, uh, a power that is able to uh, take care of the things that we need, we know the Lord is certainly able. And so we ask that uh, you'd be in prayer for all of these as well as others that we know of uh, here this morning. So as we gather together here, uh, uh, as those of you that have been uh, here or have been tuning in to, uh, to our Facebook page, uh, uh, Page, uh, know that we've been studying through the book of Romans, and that uh, uh, find just some some wonderful thoughts in there that are, I think are reassuring to God's people uh, as we uh, as we look into His Word and uh, we think about all the various controversies that people have today. Uh, you know, conflicts between uh, different ethnic groups and so forth and so on today. And uh, Paul was, uh, and there were. Uh, Gentiles and Jews that were gathered together at the church at Rome. And not only were they gathered together and worshiping together, which I think is a great example and a great pattern for how our churches should be laid out uh, today, uh, that we're all one in Christ Jesus, that we're not uh, one group here and one group there, but uh, gathered together and worshiping together. So uh, as, we, as we think about that, uh, the Apostle Paul is dr- addressing the various... Uh, I guess you'd say, you know, I, don't, I don't know that I want to use the word doctrinal issues, but that's the best word that comes to my mind this morning, uh, the scriptural issues that they, were, that they were having conflicts about here in the uh, church at Rome, and he's addressing those. You had Jews that thought they were, I think they thought they were superior to the Gentiles because they had the law, they have been raised up, uh, their tradition and their history is laid out in the law. The Gentiles, if you would, were newcomers, to the things of worshiping Jehovah God, the one true and living God, and so uh, the gen, uh, the Jews had a tendency to look at them and say, uh, you know, how can they be, uh, you know, on equal level playing field with us in the church when they didn't have the law and they haven't been doing the things of the law, and there's even some indication here in, in the Roman letter that those at Rome, just like those at Galatia. Uh, the issues that came up in Antioch in the book of Acts and other places, there were Jews that were trying to require the Gentiles to do certain acts of the law and, and were even maybe teaching and preaching that uh, uh, that if they didn't do these acts of the law, whether it was circumcision as at uh, Galatia or other things, that they weren't truly saved. And so there there's this conflict going on between the people and Paul comes in and, and knocks them all down in the book of Romans back to a level playing field. It says, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God, uh, and we can look at that today no matter if you've been raised in the church or not raised in a church, or if you've known the gospel of Christ from a very young age or you've not, or just come to know it in recent years, uh, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God, and there's nothing that makes uh, uh, this person more special than that person uh, that we're all on a level playing field when it comes to the things of God uh, and, and the fact that we're sinners and we all stand in the same needs when it comes to salvation and God accomplished it all for us in the exact same way. Uh, and he makes that point for us as we get into the 11th chapter of the book of Romans here this morning. Uh, uh, as, we, as we look back across, the Apostle Paul has done a number of things. And I'll not try to go back and, and preach through all of that this morning. But uh, after he gave assurance at the end of the 8th chapter uh, that, uh, uh, that nothing could separate us, talking about those who, that God had chosen that God had uh, called that God had predestinated that uh, he had justified uh, and then glorified that, uh, that uh, there was nothing that could separate us from the love of God and that's a, that's a great assurance to God's people today and that becomes very important as we get into the point that we're going to be looking at here in the 11th chapter of the book of Romans today because there are a lot of people that look at this olive tree uh, and the branches that are broken off and the branches that are grafted in and, and they, they do some things with that olive tree that, uh, uh, that are not what the scriptures are actually teaching and so if we go back and remember that there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God uh, that we have in Christ Jesus and then we begin to put some things in context and Paul has had to go through the ninth chapter and assure them assure that uh, uh, first of all in the ninth chapter he tells the, the uh, Jews that are there that they're not all Israel that are of Israel and uh, and not be- and just because you're the natural child of Abraham doesn't mean uh, that you're a child of God uh, and he explains that and then he goes on and talks about that we're that we are called in, in Isaac, who is the promised child. Uh, and that we're elected like Jacob was where God uh, told in the book of Malachi and reminds us here through the Apostle Paul that J- that God loved Jacob and he didn't love Esau and that th- that God's purpose according to election might stand. Now uh, people today take election and try to teach that election is just talking about the Jews uh, but that's not, uh, that's not the case. God elected a people the Bible tells us that uh, he has a people in every kindred nation tongue and tribe on the face of the earth and that uh, uh, that uh, election applies to all of God's family. And so, uh, as he goes through and teaches this in, in the ninth chapter, then he moves to the tenth chapter and he says, uh, The Jews, at the end of the ninth and the beginning of the tenth chapter of the book of Romans, uh, he talks about how these Gentiles who had done the things of the law without having the law, and that they were seeking righteousness by faith that God had placed in them when he wrote his laws and their hearts and on their minds. They began to try to serve God through the faithfulness that God had placed within their hearts. And the, and the Jews in many cases were going about seeking to establish their own righteousness through the law and because of that as he gets into the in the 10th chapter he says because they were trying to seek their own righteousness by the law they had failed to submit themselves to the righteousness which was of God and Paul's desire and prayer he says the, the Jews have stumbled at the stumbling stone and because they, they can't see Christ Jesus as their Messiah that was to come their Savior uh, their Redeemer their Deliverer as he goes on and tells us in the uh, 11th chapter of this book of Romans because They couldn't see that Jesus Christ was this one that was to come. They stumbled at that and they were ashamed of him. Uh, Paul's heart's desire and prayer was to to Israel, uh, to God for Israel, was that they might be saved. uh, And he had a desire that they would not be ignorant of the righteousness that they had through Christ Jesus and that they not be ashamed to declare that, confess that, and to recognize that Jesus was that true. Messiah that they stood in need of, and so uh, as we get into this eleventh uh, uh, chapter of the book of uh, of Romans, the Apostle Paul then is addressing the fact that uh, having having put so much emphasis on faith and the fact that the Gentiles uh, uh, were uh, were uh, were walking in righteousness by the faith that God had put into their heart, then the question comes up, and as we mentioned before, there's a dialogue going on as Paul is writing this letter, both uh, addressing what he's saying and what others are saying, maybe they're at the church at Rome, and what other people maybe against his ministry are saying in some cases. We'll get into that again here in the 11th chapter uh, of this book of Romans. Uh, uh, But as he's writing this, then the question comes up, well, has God cast off his people? If, if, If God doesn't work at all by the law, if it's not through the law and some work uh, of the legal nature of what uh, the jews were were calling for, that is God just cast away his people and Paul says, no, God hasn't cast away his people, which he foreknew uh and he and he makes that makes that point to, uh he says for i 'm in israel i uh, uh, <clears throat> I'm an Israelite of the seed of Abraham and of the tribe of Benjamin and so forth uh and he and he reminds them that even in elijah's day, Elijah got down to the point to where uh, he felt like as he was addressing the prophets of Baal and the prophets of grove of the grove in that day, Elijah got to the point where he felt like, and and I I, I have seen people like this today in uh, uh, in 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 our in our country uh, where people in certain churches get down to where they think i 'm the only one left doing what God wants done and uh, and elijah after uh, after uh, addressing the prophets of Baal in the grove and uh, and raining down fire and call, calling for fire to come down from heaven and consume the uh, the uh, the uh, sacrifice and the altar. Uh, that was there Uh, Elijah goes off and runs and hides and we mentioned that last week uh, how Elijah went and hid from Jezebel who had threatened his life and as he's in this cave uh, uh, in the wilderness you know he cries out to God God I'm the only one left that's trying to serve you and do what should be done and and the Lord had to remind uh, reminded Elijah he says I have seven thousand that have not bowed their knee to Baal that you know nothing about uh, and today, when we, when we look at uh, maybe thinking sometimes, you know, am I the only one that's serving God like I, like I should? You know, do we get the idea that, uh, uh, that, uh, that we're all alone in some way? God, God reminds us uh, uh, and calls out and tells us, I have people that you know nothing about. I have people that uh, that are still uh, have not bowed down to Baal. You know, he he never tells us these seven thousand are never mentioned again in the in the scriptures, other than that Paul bringing them up here in the book of Romans. Uh, uh, he never he never says anything else about them, uh, and he doesn't say they were obedient, that they were going to Jerusalem and worshiping, that they were doing anything. God had a people that because of what was written in their hearts and on their minds, never bowed down to Baal. And I'll tell you today, God has a people that. May maybe we know nothing about, that has never surrendered themselves up, uh, to Satan and to the wiles of Satan. They, they know, have you, you know, have you ever met a person, I know I've, I've known a number of people like this in my life, they, they, weren't go, they didn't go to church, and if you were asking them about, you know, loving Jesus or anything like that, you know, they weren't openly saying anything, but you know, they knew how to treat people. They, 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 they knew how to be fair and honest and their dealings were right with people and they were people that would give their shirt off their back to their, to their neighbor. Uh, and you say, well, how did they know to do that? Because God had written something in their heart and on their minds, and they they were like these seven thousand that, uh, that 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 uh, that were in Elijah's day. They had never bowed down to Baal, but my friends, uh, uh, they they also weren't uh, they weren't uh, super obedient to going and worshiping at Jerusalem either. So uh, uh, Elijah had to be reminded of this in his day, and he says, uh, uh, "Then what?" Uh, as we dive into this now, the eleventh chapter of the book of Romans, he says. <clears throat> He, he, first of all, he says, uh, even so at this present time, verse 5, he said, there's a remnant according to the election of grace. And if it's by grace, he says, then it's no more works. Uh, and if it's works, then it's no more grace. He says, You're, the, the Jews were trying to take and, and put their works together with the grace of God. Uh, and he says, if it's grace, then it's no more works. And if he said, if it's works, if it's all by works, then then you can say it's not of grace anymore. And uh, he says, then it is uh, otherwise. Work is no more work. He says, what then? Verse seven of Romans eleven. He says, what then? Israel hath not obtained that which it seeketh for, but the election hath obtained it. And the rest were blinded. So he says, it's all about the fact that God chose a people just like he had told them in the ninth chapter how he loved Jacob and he hated Esau. That God's purpose according to election might stand. And as he says that, he says, Israel has been trying to do this through their works, through following after the law. He says, but the elections obtained it for them. And he says, the election has obtained it. And he says, the rest were blinded. And as he, this term, the rest were blinded, uh, is referring to part of the uh, children of Israel, the Jews. They'd been trying to work it out on their own, but he says the elections obtained it and the rest of the elect were blinded. And he says, according as it is written, God hath given them the spirit of slumber, eyes that they should not see and ears that they should not hear. And we mentioned this last Sunday if you, want to, if you want to study that out, go to the 29th chapter of the book of Deuteronomy. Uh, the same, same type of context in the Old Testament is being used about the children of Israel having eyes of slumber and eyes of sleep. And as he's talking about this in the 29th chapter of the book of Deuteronomy, what he's alluding to is the fact the children of Israel, as, they were, as they'd come out of Egypt, as they're getting ready to uh, go, you know, go into the promised land, Uh, Their problem became, and Hebrews uh, echoes this far in the third and fourth chapters of the book of Hebrews, uh, the problem, the reason the children of Israel didn't enter into Canaan's land shortly after, and I say shortly after, within a year or so after coming out of Egypt and going through the Red Sea, the reason they didn't uh, go into Canaan at that time was because of unbelief. The Bible says that they didn't enter in because of unbelief and it wasn't I've said this on numerous occasions here in my in my preaching uh but it wasn't that they didn't believe in God. They didn't believe God. There there there's a big difference. I wish I could I wish I could write this down so that everybody could understand this. You know, there's one thing to say I believe in God, but now I read something in God's word, you know, for us today, we read it in God's word and say I believe God's word, and I believe God will do this because his word says that. Uh, what, what was going on in the days of the children of Israel? God had told them, I will give you the land. And the 12 spies went over and spied it out. And you know the story. Uh, one out of each and every tribe of, of Israel went over. And 10 of the, of the spies came back and says, said, oh, wait a minute. There's, a, there's walled cities over there. There's giants over there. We can't do this. You remember the story, too. Joshua and Caleb came back, the two. Joshua and Caleb came back and says, Let's go get it, guys. We can take it now. They weren't saying that they thought they could take it. They were looking back to how God had led them out of Egypt, how he had parted the Red Sea, how he destroyed the Egyptian army and says, We can do this because God's with us and because God said he would give it to us. And the people didn't believe God. It wasn't that they didn't believe in God. They didn't believe what God said that he would give it to them. And you know what? The next 40 years were spent in the wilderness. And uh, all the people above the age of of 19 and above died in the wilderness because of unbelief. Except for... Joshua and Caleb. <laughs> Joshua and Caleb were spared to go and to be allowed to enter into the... And Moses would have survived too, but uh, uh, if not for the fact that Moses uh, uh, also doubted God uh, uh, on another occasion. And so uh, uh, we find, uh, or well, he broke the law of God when God told him to speak to the rock. And Moses decided to strike the rock. And, of course, we have a per- perfect picture of, uh, of Jesus... How, uh, you know, the first time he told him to smite the rock, and he smote the rock, and God sent water forth, uh, you know, for the salvation, or for the deliverance of the children of Israel. But the next time they were to speak to the rock, and I'll tell you, there's, there's a picture of that of Christ for us today. Uh, God smote Christ on the, on the cross, my friends, but today we don't have to smite him again to get the, the spirit of God and the overflowing water of God in our lives all we have to do is speak to him. And so, uh, so he tells us here as he's talking about this, he says, uh, what, what then? Israel hath obtained that and hath not obtained that which it seeketh for, but the election hath obtained it, and the rest were blinded. According as it were written, God hath given them the spirit of slumber, eyes that they should not see, and ears that they should not hear, unto this day. And David, David saith, let their table be made a snare and a trap and a stumbling block and a recompense unto them. Let their eyes be darkened that they may not see and bow down their back. You know why God, God brought a judgment upon Israel in the wilderness because of their unbelief. Uh, and, and, he's, and he's saying here, he's, he's alluding to the fact God also brought a judgment upon the nation of Israel during the time of Christ. And that judgment was some of the Jews were able to see that this is the Messiah. Uh, And we have the evidence because the apostles were all Jews. And many of the early church, the church in Jerusalem uh, and parts of the church at Jerome and at Antioch were also Jews. But many of the Jews couldn't see it. And it was a judgment of God on them for the rejection of his son, Jesus Christ. And he blinded them so that they could not see. Even though they had obtained salvation through the electing grace of God, they, had, they were not able to see uh, that this was what, what the case was. And this will, this will be explained by the olive tree as we get to that. He says, I say then, have they stumbled... That they should fall. In other words, is the stumbling of the fact they've stumbled at Christ, is that stumbling meant that they've fallen away from God forever? And he says no. He says God forbid, but rather through their fall salvation has come to the Gentiles for to provoke them to jealousy. Uh, My my friend, as y'all have heard me talk about uh, numerous times over the last several years, my my friend Eric Walker, and if he (laughs) listens to this, I hope he does, uh, that uh, uh, the rabbi over in Birmingham that's uh, that's also a Christian believer, uh, as he and I have talked, he says, you know, he says the Bible says uh, that the stumbling of the Jews in the days of Christ were to be to provoke, and the bringing in of the Gentiles was supposed to be to provoke the Jews to jealousy. He says, the only trouble is, he says, <clears throat> too many of the Christians have gone around uh, accusing the Jews of being the ones that killed the Savior instead of trying to go and provoke them to come and believe in this Savior. And, and I'll tell you, I've got to agree with him on that. Uh, uh, that only maybe in, uh, really in the last however many years, have more people tried to go and, and, uh, and actually preach and teach uh jesus who was a jew uh to these jewish people that this was the real messiah and so he says uh but rather through their fall salvation is coming to the gentiles far why did it come to them to provoke the jews to jealousy That was supposed to be the purpose of the gospel going out to the Gentiles was provoke this people of God, the Jews, to jealousy. He says, now if the fall of them be the riches of the world and the diminishing of them the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness... If the fullness of the uh, of the Jews were brought in, how much more glorious that would be uh, that they would all see and understand that the Messiah has already come. Too many today are looking uh, of the Jewish rabbis in, in Israel uh, or in New York and other places around the world uh, where there's Jewish conclaves together that are still going to the synagogues. They're still looking for that Messiah to come. They don't think he's come yet. Uh, and uh, But what would it be like? would it be glorious to, for them to see the fullness of the, of the uh, the fact that he's already come and he says for i speak to you gentiles now this this conversation we were talking about how paul has written a lot of this letter is a conversation here we begin some of that conversation he says for i speak unto you gentiles and as much as i am an apostle of the gentiles and paul kind of i'm going to say very humbly in a way says i magnify my office no he's not he's not puffing up his office God says you're an apostle God told him he was an apostle to the Gentiles he says I magnify mine office if by any means I may provoke to emulation or to jealousy them which are of my flesh, and might save some of them. You know, the Apostle Paul was not concerned about their eternal destination. How do you know that, Brother Charles? I know that because Romans chapter 8 has already told us that there was nothing that could separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. These Jews which were elected, foreknown of God, were not in need of a salvation of of going to heaven they were in need of a salvation that comes from hearing the scriptures and believing the scriptures and knowing that their deliverance had come there's a deliverance that you and I have today uh, by knowing and believing the gospel. And that's what the, the Jews were standing in need of uh, in the days of, uh, of Moses and in the days of Christ. And in our day today, there's a deliverance, a salvation that you and I enjoy because of, the, of, of knowing what God has done for us. It's a peace of mind that we have. It's a, it's, a, it's a love that we can have for our neighbors and our friends knowing what God has done for us. And Paul was wanting this salvation uh, for his brethren, his Jews, and, and he says, uh, for if the casting away, let's see, he says, if by any means, verse 14, Romans 11, if by any means I may provoke to jealousy, emulation, them which are of my flesh, and might save some of them, for if the casting away of them be the reconciling of the world, what shall the receiving of them be but life from the dead? He said, you know, if the Jews would come to see that Jesus was their Messiah, he said, just be like a resurrection, He'd be uh, life from the dead. It'd be just like they were resurrected, and suddenly they could see that Jesus is the one that they had been looking for. And he says, <clears throat> and I'm going, we'll get into this now about the olive tree. And I want to mention this. I mentioned this last Sunday. And I just do this because so many people teach these kind of things. And I, I want us to be clear about what we're seeing here in, the, in this portion of the Scripture. And we'll, and as brother, brother Derek mentioned this morning during our Bible study, I'll probably go back and look some at John chapter uh, 15 just to kind of tie into that and maybe some other places that we could go to uh, as we look at this. But the, uh, the, the breaking off of the natural olive branches, he tells us down in here that the natural olive branches were broken off because of unbelief and that the, the wild olive branches were grafted in to this natural olive tree because of the unbelief of the, of the natural branches, okay? And I think it ties into John chapter 15. There were, he talks about, I am the vine, you are the branches. Uh, if the branches don't bear fruit, the branches will be broken off, and they'll be cast into the fire. Now, a lot of people turn that fire into hell and everlasting eternal torment, uh, but I'll tell you, the fire, my friends, of being broken off from the, branch, uh, from the, uh, from the vine, and the, the fire of being out here in the world and not having the assurance that you and I stand, get the sustenance, the spiritual sustenance that we get from that vine. I'll tell you, uh, it's like a hell here on earth a lot of times for God's children when they're not getting the spiritual nourishment they need from the vine and being grafted into this branch. So he tells us here, for the casting away of them... Talking about those natural, uh, the Jews that were elect of God, but who did not believe, <clears throat> if the casting away of them be the reconciling of the world, what shall the receiving of them be but life from the dead? For if the first fruit be holy, now he goes back and teaches us an Old Testament lesson about first fruits. He says, For if the first fruit be holy, the lump, <clears throat> the lump is also holy. What was what was the lesson of the first fruits? They were they were to take the first fruits of their crop and they were to go and to offer those to God as a sacrifice to him. And if God accepted that sacrifice, if it was a good sacrifice, then the crop was also going to be good. I'm going to tell you, the first fruit, my friends, is Jesus Christ on the cross. And Jesus Christ was good. And if Jesus Christ is good, then the whole lump's going to be good too. So he says, if the first fruit be holy, we know that he was holy. (laughs) If the first fruit be holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root be holy, so are the branches this is the key to the part of this teaching here about the olive tree. For he says, for if some of the branches be broken off. Well, if they were branches of this holy root, they were holy branches, right? Okay. And so they were, were not condemned uh, going to hell branches, if you if you allow me to uh, say it that way this morning. But he says, if some of the branches be broken off, and thou, being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them with them, and with them partakest of the root and the fatness of the olive tree, boast not against the branches. In other words, we're not to condemn those branches that were broken off, but we're to get the lesson. You know, today when we see God's children. Uh, many times wandering out here in the wilderness, if you will, uh, because of unbelief, <clears throat> we're not to be uh, condemning to them, but we're to get the lesson from them. And we're to be concerned about them. We're to also try to provoke them to jealousy so that they'll want to come come back. Uh, uh, and, uh, and so he says, don't be condemning of them, but get the lesson and say, it could happen to you too. Right. If you're not staying faithful and serving God, you also could be a branch. You might be a holy branch. You might be a branch that can't be separated from the love of God when it comes to eternity. But here in this old world, you can be broken off and be separated for time. So he says, if some of the branches were broken off, and thou being a wild olive tree were grafted in among them, and with them partakest of the fatness of the olive tree, boast not against the branches, but if thou boast, thou bearest not the root... But the root, thee. What is it that gives you sustenance? It's the root. Who is the root? The root is Jesus Christ. The root is the Holy Spirit of God. The root is God himself. He's what gives you sustenance. Don't go boasting about your position and look at who I am or what I've done. Remember that you're being sustained by the Holy Spirit. You're being sustained by the salvation through the blood of Jesus Christ. So he says... <clears throat> thou wilt, thou, now here's this conversation thou will then say the branches were bro- that were broken off that we might be grafted in uh, that, that's the conversation he, people were saying those branches were broken off just so we could be bro- uh, grafted in he says no that's not the case <laughs> he says I'm an example Paul was an example of a branch a Jewish branch that had not been broken off he says well because of unbelief they were broken off, that I might be grafted in. <clears throat> well, let's, let me read that again. <clears throat> he says, well, because of unbelief they were broken off, and thou standest by faith. Be not high-minded, but fear. He, is, he has taught us all through this book of Romans that the Gentiles were blessed because of their faith. And their faith comes because God had written his laws in their hearts and on their minds. And he says, the Gentiles, even though they didn't have the law, he says, they've been blessed and they have the righteousness which comes of faith. They have a justification which comes by faith. And he says, uh, uh, and he says well, because of unbelief, these natural branches were broken off. And thou standest by faith, <coughs> be not high-minded, but fear, <coughs> excuse me, for if God spared not the natural branches, take heed lest He also spare not thee. There's a warning to you and I today that if we don't continue to follow faithfully after Him, we can also be broken off. Doesn't mean you're going to be, you know, cast into the everlasting torments of hell because of your because of unbelief. Uh, You know, sometimes people today will almost act like unbelief is the sin that Christ didn't die for. Well, I'm telling you, Christ died for our sins. uh, And if unbelief's a sin, and it is, uh, uh, then Christ died for the sin of unbelief as well as the other sins that we commit. So uh, so as uh, as we look at this, uh, he says, uh, For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed... Lest he also spare not thee. Now let, let's go over and let's go over and just look at a couple of things, and I want to put this into a, into a thought process. Turn over to the Matthew uh, chapter uh, chapter twenty one, I think it is, and, and just and, you know the the warning, the warnings that we've been told, the warnings that have been given. Uh, we can also turn over to Matthew chapter ten, and I may turn over to Matthew chapter ten real quickly. Uh, uh, just, to, just to get a context when Jesus was first sending out his disciples in Matthew chapter 10 uh, and he names off the disciples I'll not go in through and read all the names of the disciples that he was sending out but I will we'll pick up with chapter verse 5 of Matthew chapter 10 and he says this these 12 Jesus sent forth and commanded them saying go not to the way of the Gentiles Oh, wait a minute, Paul, you're, I mean, uh, Jesus, you're sending out apostles and uh, and you're not sending them to the Gentiles. Are you not concerned about them being saved as well? Well, salvation, eternal salvation and what Christ was going to accomplish on the cross was not the purpose of the gospel, okay? And so he was sending the uh, the uh, apostles out, and he says, Go not in the way of the Gentiles and into any city of the Samaritans, enter ye not, Go, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel." and as you go preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand so they were to go to the uh, they were go to the lost sheep of the house of israel now then Turn with me over to Matthew chapter twenty-one. Uh, in, Ma- in Matthew chapter twenty-one, we have Jesus teaching a parable. Uh, first, he talks about a parable about a, a he talks about a parable of a vineyard. And as he talks about the vineyard, uh, he talks about how uh, the master of the vineyard's son had to go away. Uh, uh, and uh, and during this time, uh, let's just let's just look at this. Here another parable. There was a certain householder. Verse thirty-three, of Matthew twenty-one. Uh, there was a certain householder which planted a vineyard and hedged it around about. And digged a winepress in it, and built a tower, and let it out to the husbandman, and went into a far country. And when the time drew, uh, <clears throat> when the time of the fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the husbandman, that they might receive the fruits of it. And the husbandman took his servants, and beat one, and killed another, and stoned another, and again sent other servants more than the first. <clears throat> and they did unto them likewise. And last of all he sent unto them his son saying they will reverence my son Now the the, the lesson here uh, that's being taught and you get the picture uh, uh, God had a had a uh, had a vineyard uh, and uh, because he cared for the vineyard uh, he sent his apost- uh, he sent his prophets uh, and he sent uh, various teachers to them and they persecuted and killed the prophets And finally he says, I sent my son because I, I knew they would reverence my son And he says, last of all verse 37 he sent unto them his son saying Saying, they will reverence my son, but when the husbandmen saw the son, they said among themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him that we may seize the inheritance. And they caught him, and they cast him out of the vineyard. And then the Lord of the vineyard cometh, and what will he do unto the husbandmen? Boy, I'm telling you, there's a warning there to the children, to Israel uh, about how they've taken the things of God and they've condemned the prophets and gone their own way. Uh, and he says, and he asked the question, they killed the son of the, of the owner of the vineyard, what will, that, what will he do to them? Well, let's keep reading. <laughs> he says, they say unto him, he will miserably destroy those wicked men. He will let out his vineyard to other husbandmen which shall render him the fruits in their season. And Jesus, Jesus saith unto them, did you ever read in the scriptures? The stone which the builders rejected, the same has become the, head, <laughs> become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing and marvelous in our eyes. Do you remember what we read at the end of the ninth chapter of the book of Romans? They stumbled at the stumbling stone, the rock, uh, my friends. They stumbled at the Messiah uh, of him coming. He says, therefore I say unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you <clears throat> and given to another nation bringing forth fruits thereof now do you see this how they were broken off they were holy branches I want us to get that point they were holy branches but they were broken off because of unbelief the same lesson as, as brother Derek mentioned this morning we turn over to John chapter 15 and we'll try to uh, turn over there real quickly and get to, uh, get to that part of the, part of the scripture uh, uh, he says I am the true vine my Father's the husbandman Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away; and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth uh, forth more fruit. Uh, our job, my friends, is, you know, you and I, you and I are our branches. <laughs> We're just branches, but you know, the the branch has an important job: the branches to bear fruit and we could turn over to galatians 5:22 and 5:23 and we know what the fruit what part of the fruit is that we're supposed to be bearing love joy peace uh, long suffering uh, gentleness goodness faith meekness temperance uh, against such there is no law spiritual fruit uh, we're to be we're to be more today as God's children uh, and I, and I look at each and every one of you not only here in, in our church are we just, are, are we to be more loving more long suffering more gentle, more goodness, more meekness, more... T- uh, temperance you know what temperance is that's a, that's one of these words nobody uses anymore uh, but it's self control uh, we are to be more temperate more self controlled and so that's the fruit that we should be bearing as God's children and he tells us here uh, that every branch in me that beareth not fruit he taketh away and every branch that beareth fruit he purges it that it may bring forth more fruit now ye are clean through the word that I've spoken to you abide in me and I in you, and as the branch could not bear fruit of itself, <clears throat> except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. Now, you go ahead and read the rest of that, but it, it's making the point. We have to abide, and that word abide means live. You know, you've heard the word abode. Somebody has their abode, that's their house. Abide, live there, live in him, live your life in Christ Jesus, and you'll bring, bring forth much fruit. But uh, turning back down to Romans 11, he says, Well, because of unbelief they were broken off, and thou standest by faith. Be not high minded, but fear, for if God spared not the natural branches, take heed lest he also spare not thee. Behold the goodness and the severity of God. You know, a lot of times today, you know, the the God, uh, people will, you know, they get this picture of God. Some people will say, God is love. Well, they're right. God is love. The Bible tells us God is love. But God's not just love. Uh, and, and if we get a one-sided picture of God, uh, then, we, then we will fail to realize God is also a heavenly Father. And just like we chastise our children because we love them, and we discipline them because we love them. Uh, God also disciplines his children. And because, why? Because he loves them. He wants them to act right. <laughs> he wants them to do right. He wants them to be good children. And so he says here in this uh, Romans chapter 11, talking about breaking off the branches because of unbelief, <clears throat> he says, Behold, beware, look at. Uh, that word behold means, you know, pay attention, look. Behold, therefore, the goodness and the severity of God. On them which fail, it was severity. (laughs) But toward thee, goodness. If thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou shalt also be cut off. (laughs) You you know, if if you don't abide in that vine, abide and get the, the richness of that holy root, you can also be cut off because of unbelief. So for people that say... Well, you know, if I believe that God chose the people before the foundation of the world that he elected them I in mean, predestined if I believe that, well, I just live, you know, this way, that way, whatever way. If you want to have the joy of your salvation here now. I'm not talking about when we get when God calls us home to glory, but if you want to enjoy it now, you will abide in belief, you will abide in faith. You will follow after him because the richness and the blessings will be to you. And I'm not telling you that in doing that, you'll never have another problem. No, uh, life is full of problems, uh, uh, but it's having, having that joy uh, and having the faith in God that helps us to be able to bear up under COVID, that helps us to be able to bear up under the trials and troubles of sickness and death and, uh, and, uh, and all the things, uh, disappointments and other things that come our way in this life. It's, it's the grace of God, the faith of God, the belief in God that helps us to bear up under all that. Isn't it, isn't that a blessing? Is that not a blessing to you today? It also teaches us how to be better fathers and mothers and children and, uh, and citizens uh, of our nation and country. And we'll get to that when we get over to the 13th chapter of the book of, uh, of this same book of Romans. But he says here, Behold the goodness and the, <clears throat> the severity of God. On them which fell, it was severity... Their unbelief caused them to be, feel the severity of God. But, but the, the vessels of mercy. Boy, go back over there to the ninth chapter of the same book of Romans and re- read about the potter and, and how the potter had vessels of mercy. These, these branches, these wild olive branches received mercy being grafted in. After all those years. And he says, And they also, if they abide not still in unbelief, shall be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. God's able to take that natural branch. And suddenly, my friends, they turn, they repent, they believe in God. My friends, he's able to graft them right back in. And he's not grafting them back into salvation. He's grafting them back into belief, the gospel message, the sustenance that comes from the grace of God and his teaching here. And he says, if thou were cut off of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and were grafted contrary to nature into a good olive tree, how much more shall these which be the natural branches, be grafted in to their own olive tree. I read a story uh, as I was studying on some of this. I read about a guy that was telling uh, about when he was a kid, he said one of his uncles had taken a, uh, a branch from a crab tree <laughs> and grafted it in to a, to a regular apple tree. And he says, uh, he says, so now you had this apple tree that had these natural sweet apples d- during their season. He said the crab, the crab trees... Uh, their fruit came later in the year, you know, like in the fall of the year, where the the apples matured maybe during the summer. He said, so you had these at this apple tree out there that had these natural apples on that would mature in the summer, and he says it also have some crab apples over in the fall uh, you know he said uh, it it wasn 't it wasn't part of that natural tree, but it was still bearing fruit. Uh, and it was b- but bearing fruit in its own time just like it was, uh, like it was supposed to. And he says, if, if thou were the olive tree which is wild by nature and were grafted in contrary to nature into a good olive tree, how much more shall these which be the natural branches be grafted into their own olive tree? For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits or in your own self, in your own mind, in your own heart. That blindness in part happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. You know, I'd, I'd love to tell you that I've studied and I understand to know this is the point when the fullness of the Gentiles has occurred and now suddenly uh, the natural olive branches are going to be grafted back in. They're going to turn to belief. I don't have a clue, okay, just to tell you, just to be honest with you. A lot of people think that the fullness of the Gentiles occurred Uh, when the time when Israel, the natural Israel, moved back to to the land of Israel in 1948. I can't find any support for that necessarily in scriptures, uh, but I can tell you whenever the fullness of the Gentiles has come, uh, blindness, this blindness in part... He didn't say they had all been totally blinded, but this blindness in part, my friends, will be cured. And we may be seeing some of that today. As I, as I, as I talk to my, my Jewish uh, rabbi friend in Birmingham and, uh, uh, and this Messianic Jew, uh, this Christ-believing Jew, he tells me that there are over a million Jewish people now, uh, both in this country and in Israel, that are followers of Christ. Uh, and so uh, uh, there's a large number of people, my friends, that are, that are beginning to take this up. So is, is our time come, uh, you know, as, as I look at the fullness of the Gentiles, I look around our country today and, and, and I'll just be honest with you. You know what, you know, if you go to Europe where the, where the church once was a thriving place, you know what most of the churches in Europe are today? museums uh you go in there and you can take a tour and see where they used to worship god Uh, and i'll tell you i'm i'm we went to we went to new york city a few years ago uh, and walked up and down the streets and uh we came by this big church up there and uh i don't know if they still meet there or not but you could get a tour of it if you wanted to Uh, and so you begin to see even in our country things are declining church attendance is down Membership is declining uh, across all denominations, across all churches. Uh, and so, it, is our fullness, is it come and gone? Uh, you know, we see churches in Africa that are growing uh, and uh, and rich and thriving and and uh, enthusiastic, uh, my friends. Uh, is our time come and gone? I don't know. Uh, but uh, whenever this fullness has come in, he says, uh, blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the gentiles be come in and if so and so all israel shall be saved if you don't understand the definition of israel that was given in the ninth chapter of the book of of the book of romans you will not understand this statement he is not saying that all of nat all the natural jews are going to be saved what he is saying is where they're not all israel that are of Israel. And he says they're not all children of God just because they're descendants of Abraham. And if you want to read that, you can go over there and read that in the ninth chapter, the 6th and 7th and 8th verses. Neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they all children, but in Isaac shall thy seed be called. That is, they which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of promise counted for the seed. Isaac was a seed it was a child of promise. God promised that he was going to bring that child and he occurred and he promised that there would be children that would be followers after Christ because of the faith that's written in their hearts and their minds, and the Holy Spirit brings that about just like as he describes in John chapter three through the new birth, and brings us into that family. So he says, and so all Israel, Definition of Israel from Romans 9, and so all Israel shall be saved as it is written. There shall come out a sign, a deliverer, and he shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. I don't think it's any coincidence here that he mentions Jacob, by the way. what If we go back again to that ninth chapter, Jacob have I loved? But Esau have I hated. Uh, so what did he do? He turned away. And Jacob, uh, that God's purpose according to election might stand. Uh, so he says, uh, And so so all Israel shall be saved. Uh, as it is written, There shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant unto them. I was looking at this last night and it, and it occurred to me, This is my covenant unto them. <laughs> You know, he does not say this is my covenant with them. He didn't make a covenant with them. He he had a covenant that was unto them. This is my covenant unto them when I shall take away their sins. Go back over there and read uh, in Matthew chapter uh, chapter 1 verse 21. Thou shalt call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. This is the covenant that I will... That I will uh, this is my covenant unto them when I shall take away their sins. As concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sakes. But as touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sakes. You know most people don't understand that verse of Scripture. No. Most people cannot comprehend how there could be a people that are chosen elect of God But they're enemies for your sakes, of the gospel for your sakes. Why? Because God has blinded them. They've been blinded. Uh, There was a judgment placed upon them because of their unbelief, because of their failure to recognize the Messiah. And God didn't throw them away, but He blinded them. (laughs) He He didn't cast them away forever. That's what all of this has been about for the last two or three chapters. He's not cast away His people, which He foreknew. But he did blind them so they didn't get the benefit of the gospel and he's broken them off because of unbelief so that, uh, so that the, na- the wild olive branches, that's us Gentiles by the way, could be grafted in so that we might get the richness of the joy of the gospel message. As concerning the gospel, verse 28, they are enemies for your sakes but as touching the election they are beloved for the father's sake. For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. God never chose anyone or called anyone, uh, my friends, to be born of the Spirit of God and then turn away from them. There's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. God's gifts and callings are without repentance, my friends. He doesn't turn around and say, Well, I made a mistake on that one. Uh, I guess I better turn around and uh, turn around and uh, turn the other way. God, my friend, has not made a mistake. When he chose a people in Christ Jesus before the foundation of the world, there wasn't a mistake made. It was all perfect because it was all him. For the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. For as ye in times past have not believed in God, yet now have obtained what? He didn't say salvation. He says, for as in times past ye have not believed God, yet now have obtained mercy through their unbelief God was merciful to the Gentiles to let them see that he was the true Savior that he was the true God the one true and living God and he says even so have these also now not believed that through your mercy they may also obtain they also may obtain mercy what were you and I to do what were the Gentiles to have done there at the church at Rome And what were you and I supposed to do? We're supposed to be provoking others to jealousy, especially the Jewish people. I think as a church we have failed miserably uh, at that. At that calling that 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 Paul called these two here, and he says, even so, these have now not not believed that through your mercy they may also they also may obtain mercy. Now, then verse 32 is, is another one of these great verses that I think you just have to, you know, kind of grasp a hold of. But he says, verse 32, for God hath concluded them all in unbelief that he might have mercy upon all. God concluded Jews and Gentiles, all of them were in unbelief. It wasn't like... the. <coughs> The Gentiles had one kind of unbelief and the Jews had another kind of unbelief or the blacks have a kind of unbelief and the whites have another. No, they were all concluded in unbelief that God might have mercy on all of them at one time on the cross, God had mercy on them, right on the cross, my friends. Uh, all that He had chosen, all that He had uh, uh, given to Christ, uh, they were all concluded in unbelief, uh, that it, that He might have mercy upon all. And then goes on. And this, when Paul says this, you can just see his excitement in himself. Then, and then he turns around and says, "Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God! How unsearchable are His judgments and His ways past finding out." For who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath been his counselor, or who hath first given to him that he shall <clears throat> and it shall be recompensed to him again? Now he goes back and repeats sort of that same phrase that he said over in um, uh, Romans chapter 4, when he says, If if Abraham, if, if it was because of Abraham's work, God would have owed it to him as a debt. He says, But God, God did not owe Abraham a debt. It was God's grace and mercy upon Abraham. Upon Abraham, he says, "For who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath been His counselor, or who hath first given unto Him? Who first reached out to God, and God then owed Him something? I'm telling you, God always reaches us first. You know why? You know why we cried out for that we're sinners, and that we had a desire to want to come come down and and confess that we we stood in need of a Savior, it was because He first reached into our hearts." Born us again of the Spirit, the sovereign work of God. He says, Who hath first given unto him, and it shall be recompensed unto him again. For of him, and through him, and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. It's all of him. It's all about him. It's all through him, to him, and about him, my friends. It's all to him be the glory, not to the preacher. Not to, you know, as much as we loved our mamas and our daddies and our grandparents and and how faithful they were, the glory for our salvation is not to our grandparents. The glory is to God who died for us and gave himself. Now, I'm going to stop there, but I'm going to read this next two verses to prep you for the next time. Because seeing the greatness and the goodness of God, then, then Paul then turns around and looks at this church at Rome, if you will, and says... I beseech you, I beg you, therefore, brethren. Now you notice he didn't suddenly decide it. he's going to say, "I beg you therefore, Jews, here at church at Rome, or I beg you therefore, Gentiles, I beg you, brethren, both both Jew and Gentile. I beg you, brethren, I, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy acceptable unto God which is your reasonable service and be not conformed to this world but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God you want to know people are all the time today uh, You know this is, this is not new uh, in my lifetime and, and probably not new to you people say I just wish I knew what the will of God in my life was well don't, well, don't be conformed to this world be transformed by the renewing of your mind to spiritual things, and God will show you through his word what the will of God is for you in, 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 his, in, in your life. You want to know what the will of God is? Start serving God and, and, and worshiping him, and God will lead you. We were talking about prayer this morning. I'm going to close with this and, and just make this comment. You know, we were talking about prayer and, and, and seeking God and, and calling upon God. Something we don't do a very good job of, and I'm, I'm raising my hand and saying, me too. Uh, one of the things we need to be sure and do after we've prayed and we've really sought God about certain things is, you know, a lot of times we pray and then we get up and we're, we're going on to the next activity, whatever that is. Uh, we need to take time to pause to listen and see if God, through the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit will then impress upon us what it is he wants us to do. We don't, li- we don't listen enough to God. Uh, and you say, well, and I'm not just talking about listening to his preached message. I'm talking about listening to that still, small voice that, that nobody can hear but you in the recesses of your mind. You know, and, 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 and be careful. Uh, the Bible tells us to be careful. Uh, try the spirits to know whether they're of God or, or whether they be uh, evil spirits that might be trying to influence you. But if they're leading you in the direction of following after God uh, in, a, in a better and more perfect way, I'll tell you, it's the spirit of God leading you. So be sure and listen. May God bless you uh, as we uh, as maybe this will have charged you up for another week uh, to be one of those branches that stays more firmly rooted into that root, so that you can get the spiritual nourishment you need. And may God bless you. Is our prayer. <coughs> well,